Well, praise the Lord. It is good to be back with you. You let me back in the doors. <laughs> God is so good. He is so gracious and kind. And when we, when we travel and we minister in different places, it's always amazing to me when the Lord directs and moves a certain way. I don't know if Andrew is like this or not when he goes and he speaks at other places, but I oftentimes try to tell God what I need to preach. Sometimes I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know God. But I've realized he knows the house much better than me. He knows each house and he knows what needs to be to be shared. And, and, and I did not come to the UK, I did not come to this weekend with any thoughts about the Shunammite woman at all. At all. And then the Lord just stirred that deeply into my spirit on late Thursday, early Friday. I don't remember when it was. And I'm like, that's where I have to be. And guess what? That's where I'm staying. I'm not going to re-preach it. Don't worry. I'm not <laughs> You've heard that the first, but I've got like 87 parts to the message. Not really, but that story has wrecked my life so many times. So many times. Just her way of making room for God, but then not just making room for God one time to get what she wanted from Him. But maintaining room for God even after He blessed her. Because God is the God of life. God is the God of provision, yes, absolutely, but He's the God of resurrection. We talked about that, and, and you know, she has her son, and, and, and we mentioned it toward the end on Friday night, that even after the son was born, she still maintained the room for God in her home, because it's possible for us to maintain presence and provision. We do not have to choose one or the other. You know, when, she, when her son died and she had a place to lay him and it was on the bed, on the place where God's presence rested. And then when she went to get Elisha and he came back to the house, you know what he did? Because she laid her son where the presence of God rested, God laid his fullness on her greatest need. He quite literally laid himself on the child face to face. He placed his fullness. It, and if, if we want the fullness of God placed in our lives, we need to make sure that there's a place for him to rest in our lives. And so there was that maintaining of that place and maintaining of that presence. But can I tell you, the story does not even stop there. Because it wasn't just that he gave her a son. It wasn't just that he resurrected the son. But she continued to have relationship with God. She continued to have room for God in her life. She realized that he's not only the God of provision. He's not only the God of resurrection. But he's also the God of protection. And he's the God of restoration. And you want to know what I love about the God when he restores? He never restores things back to how they were. He always restores things to better than they were. And so there are some of you here this morning that you need the restoration power of God to manifest in your life. There are things that you feel like have been lost and things that you feel like have been lacking. And, and over these last few years, anybody besides me feel like some things have just been taken. But our God is the God of restoration. And we don't call on Him just when we need something, but as we maintain that relationship with Him, He has a way of providing. 
And so I want to just kind of continue on in that vein a little bit. So we're still in 2 Kings, but not chapter 4. We're in chapter 8. <gasps> the story continues four chapters later because a relationship with God is not limited to one chapter of our life. Amen. But our God is good. And His abiding presence brings His abiding blessing. I have decided in my life, I do not live in pursuit of His favor. I walk in His favor. That offends some people when I say that, but I really have decided I don't care. Because I got so exhausted pursuing victory when I walk in victory. I got so exhausted thinking, oh man, I hope this works out when as a son, the sonship stuff keeps coming up a lot. Listen, you need to dig into that because it's real. Because as we walk as sons, we walk in authority. We walk in an understanding of victory and favor and knowing who we are. Blessing comes on occasion to servants, but favor follows sons. And the Shunammite woman understood that and she maintained room for God. And, and there was a season of famine that came, but she was prepared for it. And we'll read about that together now. Verse, start in verse number 1 of 2 Kings chapter number 8. It says, Now Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will even come on the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And at the end of seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went out to appeal to the king for her house and for her field. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Please relate to me all the great things that Elisha has done. And as he was relating to the king how he had restored to life the one who was dead, behold, the woman whose son who had restored to life appeared, appealed to the king for her house and for her field. Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she related to him. So the king appointed for her a certain officer saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land, even until now. <laughs> I want you to get a picture of who our God is. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your protection. I pray you would speak to our hearts today, God. Help us to see who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name. So Elisha, he cautions her of a coming famine. He says, there's a famine coming. Can I tell you, I don't believe as Christians we should live reactionary lives. I believe we should be proactive. I believe we should be prophetic. I know not everybody's a prophet, but I believe everybody has the capacity to be prophetic and to hear what thus saith the Lord. And when we hear from God, then we respond to Him in obedience. And He has a way of speaking to us in a way that will protect us and keep us from what is happening and keep us from what is coming. And He knows the end from the beginning, and it's not that uncommon, and it's not even that difficult for Him to make us aware of what is happening, to make us aware of what we need to do. And He can provide for us even before the need arises. 
And, and, and I don't mean that there aren't times that we need somebody. Man, man, something's going on. I didn't see this coming. I miss things. We all miss things. But I don't think we need to live our lives frantic and say, ah, I need out of this mess. I believe God can prepare us before the mess. And I believe God can speak to you. So Elisha tells her, he says, there's a famine coming. I want you to get away from this land. I want you to be protected. I don't want you to have to endure what is coming. I want you to be ahead of the game. Oh, the testimonies we could have if we as the people of God were prophetic and we heard from God and we were ahead of the game and we could, people could be like, how did you know? How were you aware of what was coming? How were you aware of what was happening? How is it that this is not affecting you the way it was affecting others? Can I tell you a story pre-COVID? I'm going to tell you anyways, but I just gave you permission to give me, give you opportunity to give me permission. But we were at Invasion Conference in 2020, just before the world like went crazy. And we were there at Invasion, and, and they were receiving an offering, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He says, I want you to give this amount. And I want you to put this into the offering and to, to sow into what I'm doing. And I said, God, that's more than I've given before. I don't know that I can do that. Here's what I'll do. I'll give half of that. And so I did. I wrote a check for half of that. And I felt really good because even half of that was more than what I would typically give. And then all of a sudden, that whole night, I couldn't sleep. I was struggling to sleep. And I'm like, God, what is going on? And he says, you just gave half. So I got up from bed and I wrote the other half. (laughs) I wrote a second check and I fell asleep. (laughs) And so the next day, even before they took the offering, I put the rest in. And I just wanted to just sow in, and I wanted to be obedient to God. And then within two weeks, COVID happened, and pastors are calling, says, Brother Rodney, I'm sorry, we have to cancel. We can't have you to come. We have to cancel. And I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you know what I said to God? God, I could use that offering back. (laughs) I'm just being honest. And so because we sowed in and and what we gave put us in a difficult spot financially with the ministry and with COVID shutting down. But you know what happened? People started giving unsolicited. I had pastors calling me and saying, hey, God put you on my heart. How do I give to your ministry? Pastors I had never met. I had people that I didn't know calling up and saying, hey, I want to do this for you. And can I tell you, within like six, seven, or eight weeks, we had 12 times the amount that we put in came back into our ministry. Like, boom, it just blew me. I was like, whoa. Every day we were on our phone or in the mailbox, honey, look, more came. It was like amazing. And I started thinking, God, this is not even fair. I started giving it away. I'm like, this, I'm like who, who else in ministry is not being blessed? And we're trying, we're trying to bless others. And I'm like, God's provision. But because we were obedient when God p- spoke to us in advance, and we sowed in before the years of famine. And God spoke, and because of that, He took care of us. And so this woman, Elisha, had spoke to him. As a result of her heart, as a result of her hospitality toward God, God takes care of His own. And He said, there's a famine coming. And I want you to be prepared, protected, and provided for. Because that's what our God does. Because He has never intended us to be unprepared. 
So Elisha spoke to him. And the second thing that we see from this story that's just mind-boggling to me is the Bible says she spent seven years. Where? In the land of the Philistines. Talk about God preparing a table in the presence of your enemies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if the Philistines in that season, they were the enemies of the people of God. I mean, that's who they were. They were, they were opposition. They were enemies. They were, and, and so God provided for his people right in the land of the enemy. He was using the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. He was providing, and while she, while the famine was in her land, while she had to leave her house, her home, while she had to leave the familiar, God says, not only will I take care of you, but I'll take care of you in a place you would not have even imagined. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. So the Shunammite woman found provision. She found protection. She found exactly what she needed from God in the most unlikely place. Because she was willing to be obedient to what she had spoken to him. She was provided and protected in the land of the Philistines. In the land of the enemy. God had spoken to her. There's a famine coming. And you know, it would have been real easy to say, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to ride this out. But I have found in my life obedience to God is always the best decision I would love to say that I always get it right but I am not going to lie to you enough preachers do that oh sorry did I say that out loud scratch that but I'm gonna let I'm gonna say this I'm wanting to learn I'm, I'm learning in my life this whole concept of instant obedience when the Lord speaks, we respond. We do what he says. The Lord speaks, we gather committees and look for 47 confirmations. No, when the Lord speaks, we go. I want to hear from him and do because he knows what needs to be done. As I said before, he knows the end from the beginning, and he's able to direct us, and he will never hear me. He will never set you up for failure. He will never leave you begging. He will never leave you wanting. David said it like this. I have been young and now I am old. And never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. So he will take care of us even if it's in the land. She, she probably thought the Philistine art land, that's the last place I want to go. But, I mean, think about this. God protected them the entire time they were there. They, they weren't in harm's way. They weren't under attack. They were provided for right in the most unlikely place. And so the famine goes, and so seven years pass. How many of you felt like COVID took like 100 years? It's went on and on. I don't know about anybody else. My nature, I'm, I'm, I'm really quiet and reserved by my nature. I, God has me standing in front of people. I'm nervous every time. I prefer to just kind of be, so when COVID happened and we had to shut our doors, I'm like, woohoo, I'm good. I can do this a while. I know some people are like, ah, but it didn't really get to me that, that much. I'm like, you know, i I mean, when I get around people, I can talk and have fun. And my personality, I'm kind of goofy. Don't say anything, Andrew. But, and I too, for the record, I too am glad there were two beds in that room in, in, in Ireland. I think I heard seven words from him in three days. Yeah. 
<laughs> he says we got to know each other. I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't in the same room. You know? <laughs> but no, I love his heart. I, I love this man, and he is well-respected in the U.S. as well. And so, But what I have found is even in the midst of that, no matter how long things may go, whether it's, you know, a day, a week, a month, a year, a couple of years, or like with this woman, seven years, God's provision never runs out. You familiar with the law of supply and demand? The issue with God is never the supply. It's always the demand that we put on it. Our brother was talking at the offering, like scooping it. Put a demand on the supply of God. I mean, seriously, we have to learn that his supply is unlimited, and he's okay for us to draw on what he has for us. And she was drawing on his provision for seven years in the land of the Philistines. But at the end, at the end of that time, she's thinking, okay, the famine is over. I want to go home. But what we need to understand is in that culture, she's been gone long enough, it's really, she really has no more legal right to her land. After that much time, it, essentially what would happen is it would have reverted back to common land. Control of the government and ownership. And, and she has no more rightful ownership. And, but she wants to go back home. She wants to go back to the land. This is where her boy was born. This is where her boy was raised from the dead. This is all she's known. This is her family. This is her people. This is home. It's totally natural and normal for her to want to go home. But in her mind, she's thinking, I don't know if this is possible. I must go and appeal to the king because if, if he doesn't approve of this, I'm going to have to find somebody, somewhere else to live. But I mean, you know, God takes care of all the details. And so she's, here's, here's how I picture it. She's on her way back home, and she's practicing what she's going to say. Who has done that before? You're about to step into a meeting or about to make a phone call, and you practice. I remember back when, in, like when, in, when high school in the 90s, back before everybody had these crazy things. And we had those things at home called telephones. It's something we use to make calls, son. <laughs> we had these crazy things called telephones. And, and, and I remember when there was a girl I was interested in. And I was nervous. And I said, I'm going to call her. So I picked up the phone and I pretended. And I practiced my speech. And it sounded terrible. <laughs> But I practiced my speech. And then I would say, okay. Whew. I tried it two or three times. And then I got up the nerve. I'm going to do it. So I pick it up. And I dial the number with shaking hands. I hold the receiver. And I hear her say hello on the other end. And I hang up. <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> And then we used to have this thing in the States that was star six nine. You could dial that and call back whoever just called you. So my phone begins to ring. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I think I picked up the phone. says, Domino's Pizza. <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> but rehearsing in hopes that you get it right. And I think the Shunammite woman was rehearsing what she was going to say. She was hoping, understanding that I don't know 
if I'm going to get back my land, I hope I say this the right way. I have one chance before the king. I have one shot. And if I mess it up, I'll never see my home again. If I mess this up, because she, <laughs> she thought the restoration of God was up to her to make it happen. She thought the provision of God was somehow related to her ability. But sons and daughters of God realize it's not based on how well I can do something. It's based on what he's already done. And how many of you know his timing is always perfect? Because think about this. She walks in to appeal to the king. Nervous. Got her boy with her. And he is there talking to somebody else. But who he's talking to is Gehazi. The servant of Elisha, who had been with Elisha every step of the way, who was there the day the Shunammite son was born, and who was there the day the Shunammite son was raised from the dead. And as she's walking back, God orchestrated and corrected and directed everything perfectly. So in the moment she appears, the king had asked Gehazi, tell me stories. Because the world is longing for the stories of the sons of God. The world is longing to hear about what God is doing. The world is longing. Listen, this stuff in Asbury and Kentucky and the different universities in the United States, it's being talked about all around the world. And I know with internet and everything else, we've, there's an ability for news and information to spread, but it's not because people are enamored that something's happening in a university. People are amazed that the sons of God are rising up. People are amazed that the testimonies and the stories of what God is doing are beginning to catch news and airwaves. Can I tell you, Fox News in the United States, they wanted to show up and they wanted to interview the school, but the school president says, don't come here. We don't want the news. We want to keep this pure. But they, could, but they kept finding out. There was someone on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, one of the, one of the uh, people, presenters, saying, I can't think of the word. I'm trying to think. And, and, and he interviewed one of the young ladies from the school from Asbury. And he says, well, I guess things have to find equilibrium and balance. She goes, no, no, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, no, it's, the, it's not equilibrium. It's the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. And, and so people are, and so the king, he's like, tell me stories. Come on, Gehazi. I want to know what has God done. And so he's relaying to the king. He's relaying to the king the stories that, that Elisha did in ministry. And maybe the king says, come on, tell me the most amazing one. And he says, oh, that's easy. There was this woman who lived in Shunem, part of your kingdom, actually. And she built this room that we stayed in every time. And oh, king, she could cook. Whew. It was amazing. You have to try her roast. Well, that, you're like, that's not in the Bible. I know, but because as our brother said, we remember stories. <laughs> She's like, he's like, she was amazing. And, and, 
and, and we stayed there, and, and her and her husband, it was just the two of them because they had no children, but, but one day Elisha spoke to her. He says, by this time next year, you'll have a son. And the king was like, he, he did what? How could he do that? He's like, oh, it was amazing. He, and the king says, so, so what happened? He said, well, she had a son. Seriously? Just like that, like he said. How long had they tried? He goes, I, I, I don't know, for years. They were advanced in age. It wasn't possible medically, but God did it. He's like, wow, what a story. So, so how did it go? Oh, the, the boy died. <laughs> what? I thought this was a good story. He's like, oh, but king, that's not the rest of it. <laughs> and he goes, I hope not. <laughs> and, and he says, in fact... We were out in the field, and, and this woman, this Shunem, woman from Shunem, she comes toward us. And Elisha says, see what's wrong? And I asked her, and she says to me, it is well. All is well. All is, she says to me, all is well. So I'm like, okay. And then she gets to Elisha. She grabs him by his feet, and she throws herself, and she says, did I ask this of my Lord? He said, so then Elisha tells me, go back to the house quickly. Go, go, go. Take my staff and lay it on the face of the boy. Elisha knew the boy was dead. And he wanted you to do what? The king is enamored at this point. He's amazed. He wanted you to do what? He's, he said, he told me to take the staff and lay it on the face of the boy. And, and so I did. And I ran and I laid the staff on the face of the boy. And the king says, and what happened? He goes, nothing. <laughs> he goes, this story's not getting better, Gaze. I had better pick up quick. He goes, oh, king, you got to understand. After that, Elisha comes into the room. He lays on the boy, and the body of the boy began to grow warm. He said, oh, dead bodies don't normally get warm. He said, but then Elisha got up, and he walks around the room praying. He said, and then he does it again. He lays on the, and the king says, wait a minute. You're telling me Elisha laid on that which was dead? Isn't that unclean? Isn't that a bad idea? And he says, King, you, what you need to understand is the people of God realize the life they carry is greater than the death provided by anything else. He says, so Elisha laid back on the boy. And the king says, what happened? He goes, the boy began to sneeze. He said, he sneezed seven times, opened his eyes, and he's alive. He goes, wait a minute. You're telling me Elisha declared the birth of this boy. Yes. The boy died. Yes. Elisha laid on the dead body, yes, and then the boy was alive again. He says, yeah. He says, what I wouldn't give to meet those people. Do you know where they are, Gehazi? Do you happen to have any idea what has happened to this mother and her son? Is he, please tell me, is he still alive? Oh, yes. They're doing well. And then they hear footsteps. And the king says, Who's here? And Gehazi turns, he goes, King, you'll never guess who's here. <laughs> you'll never guess who's here. He goes, who is it? He goes, it's the woman from Shunem and her son. They're here right now because the timing of God is perfect. It's perfect. And she stands there and the king says, Listen, this is what Gehazi just told me about you and your boy. Tell me, is it true? And she's thinking to herself, I didn't rehearse this speech. 
I didn't rehearse my testimony. I rehearsed my prayer. But she goes, yes, King, it's true. So he calls for somebody. He says, I need some help. Find out her parcel of land. Find out where her property is and make sure we restore it back to her. In fact, let's do this. Look back at the records. Over the last seven years of famine, trace it back. Anything that this land produced over the last seven years, make sure she gets that too. Give it back to her, as I heard my brother say, with interest. Because God does not just, listen, I said this before, he does not just restore things the way they were. He restores them and makes them better than they were. She's on her way. I want you to get this in your spirit, the way our God provides as we make room for him. The way this plays out, the way God takes care of his own. She was trying to figure out, how can I possibly get back to that place? What's it going to look like? I've got one shot. I've got one chance. But God had already taken care of all of the details. And as nervous as she was to meet the king, the king was that excited to meet her and he says everything belongs to her not only did she and her family get the land back but they were giving given more because not only is God the God of provision he's the God of restoration And in the same way that he provided a son, in the same way that he resurrected that son, in the same way that he gave it warning and direction and protection and provision, in the same way that he did all of those things, he also brought restoration and provision and interest and favor. Because why? Because she never lost sight of who she needed in her life. She never let her attention be diverted to things. She always focused on the one that provided those things. Listen, I'm not in pursuit of the things God can do. I'm in pursuit of Him. All these things will be added. All these things will happen. But I'm not chasing the things. I'm after Him. And He'll provide life. He'll provide restoration. He'll provide resurrection. He'll provide provision and protection. He'll provide restoration. Whatever it is that we have need of, He will take care of if we continue to make room for Him. And listen, she didn't just make that room one day and tear it down the next. I, I figured probably the main reason why she wanted to get back to her home was not just for the land. She's like, I want to get back where that room is. And because her heart was in the right place. I remember, I'm going to tell this one story and then I'm going to read a testimony that my friend posted on Facebook. I read it again this morning and it wrecked me of something God did in the States on Friday. Just two days ago. We met here on Friday and five or six hours later they had a meeting in the States. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of that. I was going to say at the same time we were meeting, no, at the time we were meeting Friday they were having lunch. <laughs> but I remember when my wife and I, we graduated from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry in Pensacola, Florida. And I remember as we were coming to the conclusion of our time at the school there, I asked God, okay, God, I know you've got a call on our lives. I know you're, we're about to graduate Bible college, but, and there's a call, but I need clarity. I need direction. And the Lord just spoke to me one simple verse from Joel chapter 2, verse 25. He says, I'll restore the years the locusts have eaten. And he spoke to me very simply. He says, I'm the God of restoration. And he says, I have restored many years in your life, and I will continue to do so. And I'm sending you out 
to see that restoration happens in the lives of those to whom you minister as well. And so I believe he's the God of restoration. And I believe he wants to bring restoration in hearts and in lives today. Some things that you feel like you've lost, some things you feel like you have given up, some things you feel like you gave up during COVID. God hasn't forgotten. People ask me through all of that stretch, Brother Rodney, how are you making it? You know what happened? Our schedule got busier. It was the most unbelievable thing. I mean, we missed like eight weeks during the height, but in Mother's Day, the U.S. was a little different in, in, in travel and stuff. And so on, on Mother's Day of 2020, we were back on the road. And we have the only time we haven't been on the road since then are times that we purposefully ourselves took time off. And I'm not saying that because we feel like we're special. That's just how God takes care of us as we continue to make room for him. And all the stuff that we thought we lost in COVID, man, he's given it back so many times over. But let me read you this testimony. My friend Randall in Indiana, he posted this. They had a service on Friday night. He says on, this is the, the way, the, this is written by the person sharing the testimony. On February 24th of 2023, I woke up and decided that I was either going to Texas Roadhouse for a last meal of sorts and then drive headfirst into a semi or drive one hour and 45 minutes to a church and expect something from God. I have been in torment for a long time. I was abused physically, mentally, emotionally, and sexually by my father from the time I was a baby until I was 15. At 18, I went to war and served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. I medically retired in 2014 due to injuries sustained in combat. Fast forward to February 2023, and I am depressed beyond words due to both PTSD and worsening issues from military service. Glimmers of hope from God's church services and two cats. My son and two cats are the only things keeping me going. A church that was discovered on accident while starting my plans to take a new job with a better schedule and move to Columbus from Louisville. With all the weight that I felt on me, I, I was not wanting to deal with my Goliaths. I had decided to end it and hope things would work out. I told my cats goodbye, looked at my son Gabriel's photo, cleaned up, and walked out the door. I went to my car and started driving toward a last meal and a date with an oncoming truck. But a favorite worship album came on on my Apple Music, and I felt a nudge to go to your church instead, expecting something from God. So I drove up, quickly ate two McDoubles from McDonald's in the parking lot, and I walked in. What happened? I still cannot explain other than I gave my life to Jesus, the true God. My thoughts felt like my mind had been transformed. Back pain and neck pain went away. My TBI damage was not as bad anymore, but the biggest thing was how much lighter my body felt and how drained I was. But it was a good drain and a peace that came with it. I also, for the first time in a long time, had a peaceful drive and did not think once about committing suicide. Thanks be to Jesus, the true God. He's the God of restoration. 
and he's the God of perfect timing and provision. When he's thinking about taking his own life, at just that right moment, a song comes on that draws him. When he's thinking about ending it all, instead he drives further than he would have driven to eat something. He drives to a church that he's never been to that happens to be having a special service for freedom and deliverance and victory that very night. He walks in the doors not knowing what to expect. He has an encounter with the Lord because even though he thought he's trying to figure things out, God was setting it up for a moment to change his life. And so, friends, that's who he is. He orchestrates it. He directs it. He plans it. He works all things together for your good. And he's the God of restoration. So it doesn't matter what feels like has been lost. This young man, he had lost a lot by our standards. But God restored it all back. He gave him a peace he had not known. Healing in his life, in his body, his heart, his mind, his spirit. Just like with the Shunammite woman. She felt like she had lost her land. She had lost everything she had always known. But God gave it all back. And then some. So I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know what your thought as to why you came today, but God knows. Because he's the God of restoration. And he wants to give back to you what was unrightfully taken from you. You see, the Shunammite woman didn't do anything wrong. She didn't lose her land because she had done something wrong. And even that wouldn't have mattered. God can restore even if something happens as a result of our bad decisions. Because our choices don't dictate him. Would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a moment in this house? Father, I thank you today that you are the God of restoration. You are the God who repays. You are the God who gives back. You are the God who takes care of us. With the Shunammite, you took care of one who had made room for you. With the story, the testimony I shared of the young man from a couple of nights ago, you are the God who took care of one who at that point did not even know you. You are loving and gracious and kind toward all of us. And you provide and you take care of us. And so, Father, I just speak to every heart. I just pray for every one of us here in this place. Perhaps, Lord, we're dealing with those feelings of, of something missing, something lacking, something's been taken away. We need the manifestation of the God of restoration in our lives today. God, would you begin to do that even now as we pray? We need resurrection, we need restoration, we need provision, we need protection. Whatever it is that, 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 that we can relate to in this place, God, you are all of those things. But quite specifically this morning, friends, I just felt that God wanted to be the God of restoration in many, many lives. It might be one, and that's okay. It makes the entire trip from the U.S. worth it. But as your eyes are closed for a minute and as you're reflecting on what the Lord is speaking to you, regardless of if it was something that I said or not, doesn't matter. God can speak to us 
in a personal way. That's what I love about the Word of God. It's alive. I don't want you to remember anything I said. I want you to remember what he said. So as you're, as you're just reflecting on it for a moment, if you're in this place, this is not out of embarrassment or anything, whatever, but, but as your eyes are closing, reflecting and searching your heart, if you're in this place and you would say, you know what, Rodney, I need the God of restoration in my life. Would you just hold up a hand real high and just say, that's me? Hold it up. Just keep it up just for a moment. Hands all over. God bless you. God bless you. You know what? He sees that. And as you're rehearsing what it is you're going to say, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Even as we heard with the prodigal son, he's rehearsing what he's going to say when he gets back to daddy. But it was already taken care of by the father. The Shunammite was trying to fear. How am I going to say this? I hope it comes out right. It was already taken care of by God. Can you stand to your feet with me? Lord, would you come? I know that as, when, as with Friday night and, and, you know, we've got, we've got some space and, and there were several of you, but I'm just going to ask you to respond to that. I'm going to ask, I'm going to open the, the front or, or the middle aisle. And, and I just believe you're not coming, responding to me. I can't, I can't. I mean, it's Christ in each of us that is a hope of glory. And so we're responding to him. And, and, and with the Shunammite, she had to kind of make that journey. But when she got to the king, the true king had already taken care of the details. Some of you might feel like you're like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this when I get to this situation. But the king has already taken care of it. Several of you indicated that you need the God of restoration to manifest in your life. Would you simply do this? Would you just step out from where you are if you can and, and come to the front or to the middle aisle? We may or may not pray with, pray for. I don't know exactly what we're going to do with this, but I just want you to make a move toward him. And, and don't wait for the next thing, but as you make a move toward him, just begin to lift your heart, lift your voice, and just say, God, here I am. And give him an opportunity to take care of the details. Wow. If you don't mind to take a step or two forward and just give us just a, a little bit more. There you go. That's great. And just continue. To move. And we can fill this middle aisle as we need. If you want to stand, you want to sit, you want to kneel. If you're up here and you need a seat, let, let one of us know. We can get a chair for you. Listen, I, I am less concerned about postures of bodies. But I'm more interested in postures of hearts. Let him bring restoration for you today. Some are still coming. Perhaps you're in this place today and you're like the young man that I, I shared the testimony about from Indiana from a couple of nights ago. Perhaps that's you today. And the, what you need is you need to meet Jesus Christ. You need to meet the true God. Maybe you, want it, maybe you had other thoughts for today. You're like, why in the world am I in Kingswood? Why in the world am I going inside this building to listen to some bald guy from America? I don't know, but he knows. And God has brought you to this place. And perhaps what you need today is you need a restoration of your spirit. You need to know Jesus. If that's you, today is the perfect day to meet him. Maybe for you it's a restoration of health. He's our healer. Maybe for you it's a restoration of finance like the Shunammite woman. It's a restoration of land. Maybe something has been unrightfully taken. He's the God of restoration. Whatever it is, Turn your focus to Him and allow Him to begin to work. Laura and the team are going to begin to play and sing and we're just going to worship. 
And out of that worship, keep our focus on, on the Lord. Keep our focus on His Spirit, on His presence, and allow Him to begin to restore back. For some of you, it's going to be a resurrection. For some of you, going to be all these different things. He's all of it. All of it. Everything that we need is found in Him. So let Him begin to restore to you. Come on, just begin to lift your voice to Him.